Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to Wait, Are These Guys Friends? This is week three. My goodness, we made it three weeks. I am Mike, and this is Randy. Say hello, Randy. Hello, everybody. Yeah, I was convinced you were going to be like, a hello, Randy, just because I hadn't done that yet. Say goodnight, Gracie. Yeah, there it is. Yes. We're going we're gonna to dive in. You know, there's no preamble. Here's the thing. We actually had a whole bitch sesh about our personal lives before we started recording. So now we can we can save valuable time and get to the stuff. Unless, is there anything you want to say on the record, on air, about your personal life this week, Randy? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, all right. I now, would you fact. like to name, name names? <laughs> all the people we were talking shit about before the show started, I need you to name what now. Our, our listenership's going to go up tenfold when we find out that this is a whistleblower <laughs> podcast as opposed to pop yeah, right? culture. You know, I can I will say one thing from the week I didn't tell you about because as I move, it's killing me. But so I was flying home yesterday from a work event on my second leg, my flight home, like to my proper final destination. I drop my phone and it goes under the airplane seat, as can happen. Here's the thing. It was one of those things where it just angled far enough where I had to really stretch and reach for it. I have a pulled muscle today from picking up my cell phone on an airplane. And when I move just wrong or just right, I've got just this shot of like, oh, fuck, that hurts. Because I'm an old man who dropped his cell phone. So... Good it's, a, it's a brutal, it's a brutal uh, truth to face, isn't it? So it's a. You um, you never ask a lady her age, but I f- I always forget. You're a couple years older than me, right, Randy? Yeah. How old are you? Forty three, yeah. Forty three. Okay, and I'm forty. I'll be forty one in May. We are we are hip young kids going through <laughs> the uh, throes of the of our lives. So I want to start, and we have a topic that is going to seem like it's coming out of nowhere. However, last week when we recorded, we had some technical difficulties, some mic dropouts, some signals that when I went to edit the episode, we had lost a chunk. And that chunk had a topic that in the thing, I'd been like, we are going to talk about this next week. I'm doing all this research. And I thought, after I was editing, I thought, we still have to talk about this. I want to talk about this. We're talking about NBC Musty TV Thursdays, which aired from 1993 to 2006. You may say, I thought it was more than that. Well, that's the thing. NBC retroactively titled their Thursday night lineup Musty TV all the way back to 1982, which was the first season of Cheers. However, it officially started in 93. They did air a special in 2002 called 20 Years of Musty TV. That's that's their paper and over it. That's some bullshit. We are going to look at specifically 14 years of Thursday night TV. The question I had posed to Randy is this. How many different shows aired at 8.30 p.m. on this night. For the children listening, the precious wee little babies, it used to be a tactic to put a very popular show on at 8 p.m. and a different very popular show on at 9 p.m. Therefore, at 8.30 p.m., they would try out new and different shows, hoping this golden time slot between the two shows would carry that show to being popular as well. Sometimes it worked. Very often it did not. Randy, this is your moment. I remember Mm -hmm. what you guessed last week. I'll call you an audible if you want. What's your guess? What's the number? I I don't exactly recall what I said. I thought I said fifteen, but if it's uh oh, well I can tell you you're full of shit because last week you said eight. Oh, did I? Okay, I'm completely full of shit. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you you here's the thing. What you're guessing now this week is way closer. Okay. It is way closer to what the actual number is. 
The actual number is 17 different shows in 14 years. And that's 17 unique shows. There were 21 time slot changes of shows in 14 years. So I want to run them down. I want to see how many of these shows you remember, how many you don't. Give a little trivia on some of these. Get your thoughts on some of this stuff. Great. So the first year was 1993 to 1994. It is a show that was pretty popular, and the previous year was also on. The last year of whatever their branding before was the same. It is Wings. Any thoughts on Wings? Sure. Big fan. Steven Weber and uh, what's her name? Crystal Bernard. Yep. And um, yep. uh, who was the other guy? Tim. Uh, the guy who wound up uh, voicing Superman for many years in the cartoons. Uh, but they played the brothers, right? Yes. Like they were both, they were both pilots. Yeah, yeah. Um, what the hell is And uh, the guy that ran, the guy, the other, what was his, I don't remember his name. He kind of looked like Paul Bearer. Um, yes. Oh, that, my God. Guy, yes. Oh, my God. Rock- oh, my God. I'd never thought about that. You're right. Holy shit. Breaking news. While editing this podcast... I just remember that character's name was Roy. We never go back to it. That character's name, who looked like Paul Bearer and ran the competing airline in Wings, was Roy. Now back to the regularly scheduled podcast. Did you not mention the breakout star? Thomas Hayden Church was Lowell, the mechanic. Oh, yeah, of course. Lowell, yes. You're yeah. absolutely right, and I completely... Honestly, I had kind of forgotten about him. If, I, if I'd kept thinking, I would have got there. Well, yeah, you're, clearly a, a fan a of the, you're clearly a fan of the later years of Wings, when he had already left because he was going to be a big star. I am looking up right now because I need to remember the name of the guy who... Here's the problem. I don't remember his name, but I do remember that he was the main character in uh, Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde when... Uh, it was oh, Doctor Jekyll, and he turned into an evil. Sean woman. Young, yeah, yes, right? yes. Tim Daly, <laughs> Tim Daly was Doctor Jekyll, and Sean Young was this high. So we did it. We did it. Um, <laughs> also, as an aside, I'm so glad you mentioned Stephen Weber because there is a show years from now in this list that I cannot wait to talk to you about. To the point where I texted you midweek and said, "I have found a show." That I need to talk to you about. Yeah. I'm so. Excited. I know this is a. I know it's an audio medium, but this is my. If you saw it visually, I'm. I'm confused and, and beyond curious to what oh this would my end God. up being. I can't right. wait. Continue. So the next season, '94 to '95. This is the big one. To me, this might be why they thought this could work. This formula, this yeah. method, because '94 to '95 for the fall and winter of the season. Friends, the first season of Friends. And what was it in between? So Seinfeld, right, at 9 o'clock, but... The 8 o'clock show is Mad About You. Got it. And that was a big show at the time. I will say for the next four years of TV, though, the 8 o'clock show became Friends. The 9 o'clock show was Seinfeld. So that's like a classic lineup that everyone thinks of. However, the amount of shows in those four years, (laughs) we're going to get into them right now. Outstanding. That happened. We get to... Oh, and by the way, after Friends moved to the 930 spot... The back half of the spring 8.30 show was a show called Hope and Gloria that went two seasons. Only its first was on at 8.30. I don't remember what Hope and Gloria is, and I didn't want to research all of these many, many, many shows. Yeah, I think it was about a a talk show or something like that. We're moving on from uh, Hope and Gloria to a show that I weirdly remember very clearly. In fact, I feel like we referenced this. This might be, this is why this talk started last week Mm -hmm. and what got cut out. I dropped a single guy with Jonathan Silverman reference. (laughs) And 
Both seasons of The Single Guy aired at this time slot. The first season, which aired uh, 95-96 at 8.30 for the fall and winter, the second half of its season got moved to spring, where it died on the vine. The next season, 96-97, they move it back to fall, and then they canceled it. It got two seasons, they moved it once, and never worked out. Sure. The spring show for the 95-96 season had the exact same thing happen in that it was a hit at 8.30. They moved it to another time slot. It got a second season, and then it was canceled because it never actually had ratings. This is a pattern you're going to see with a lot of these shows. Uh, Most of these shows are two-season shows. They're on at 8.30. My God, we have a hit on our hands. You're renewed. Second season. Let's put that big hit at 8.30 we had at another time slot and put a new show in. Oh, you only watched that because it was on at 8.30, Hmm. and now it's canceled. So the other show, by the way, is Boston Common. I remember Boston Common clearly. Do you remember Boston Common? I do, for a multitude of reasons. One was, uh, I mean, the guy that played Boyd, he was also the the hairdresser in The Rock. (laughs) You remember that? Like the Sean Connery movie? Oh, my God, yes. Anthony Clark. Anthony Clark. And then also later on was on a a CBS sitcom with Michael Valley and something else, too. That was it. Was that Yes, Dear? Because that one meant a lot. That went many years. That was a very successful show. The the other thing that I remember was that I think the the woman that he liked or the woman that I, I don't remember exactly how Boston commented. The only things I remember about it was Dave Matthews did the uh, theme song. Wasn't it the girl from Two Guys, Absolutely. The Girl with Pizza Place? My, yep. Is that the same? That's what I remember too. Was that before or after? I'm going to look it up now, but gut reaction. Was that show before or after Two Guys and a Girl? I feel like that was early midnight. So I want to say it was before, but I could totally be wrong. It was right before she got canceled on Boston Common and went to Two Guys and a Girl. So there you go. How about that? Early Ryan Reynolds, nice. Aside on Yes, Dear, I always remembered that show because his wife, Anthony Clark's wife on that show, whose name I forget, was the girl that Mr. Holland wanted to fuck then took to the bus stop in Mr. Holland's office. Like the weird oh speech he had to, like he didn't want to fuck her, but that was like the subtext that if he had ever crossed the line with a student, it was going to be that student. Have you oh, not really? seen Mr. Okay. Holland's Opus? I it's it's been a long time, so Mr. Holland's Opus is absolutely fantastic. You should watch Mr. Holland's Opus; it's a great movie. Right. However, there's that one student in that one because it's like all the different decades of his life and all these different people that he's taught. It's the one okay. student he had like a connection with. And she wanted to go off to Hollywood to be like a singer and successful. It was like the one student that you get the vibe he would have, he almost, he could have crossed the line with if things went differently because they had like a connection. Gotcha. And he didn't. He's a good family man, but that's like the vibe you get from that. Also, <laughs> dark, dark ending to her tale in my mind in that movie. She's the only student you don't like. The Like in the movie, all the students who you recognize, like they get plots, they get, you know, FaceTime, you know who they are, you recognize them. At the end of Mr. Holland's Opus, spoiler alert for Mr. Holland's Opus 1996, (laughs) she's the only one that doesn't come back in the ending. She's the only one that's not at the We Love You celebration for Mr. Holland. So what what Hmm. happened? Maybe something did happen. She, in my mind, she went to Hollywood and it did not work out and she probably became a prostitute. That's my gut reaction. Anyway, moving (laughs) on. So, by the way, we're this deep in. We're only on the second season. <laughs> we have 12 more Amazing. years. We have 12 more Amazing. years to go. Okay, so I already did mention, though, the start of the 96-97 season was The Single Guy. Uh, the second season yep. got canceled. Mid-season 
of the fall, after they're like, the single guy is not working out, it became Suddenly Susan. And it was their second season of Suddenly Susan, which did go for seasons. They left this. They got two more years elsewhere, which is exciting to me because that's going to come up on another point later on. I'm very excited. I, I conflate those two. Was that the one with Brooke Shields or yes. was Veronica's Closet the one with Brooke no, Shields? No, okay. uh, suddenly so you are hitting points that are just going to come back or later. This is so <laughs> exciting for me. Suddenly Susan, wa- and I don't want to, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off okay. because I got right, a bit coming in two years' time. I got a bit coming. <laughs> the next year, 97, 98, there is a show that went one season but they got their entire season, no pulled episodes, no mid switches, for the fall and winter, a show called Union Square. Does that do anything for you? I'm going to guess now. I mean, the only thing I think I remember about it, I don't think I watched it, but I remember, I think, an article about how it was just a Friends ripoff, but that's all I know about it. Yes. That is 100% a, that it, that came in the wake of we need more friends in the city doing Friends things. Okay. Fun trivia fact, though, it's pilot episode directed by James Burroughs, legendary mm. television wow. director, who directed most of Cheers and a lot of other, you know, iconic shows. So this is why I wanted to wait to get to this season. This whole dissertation is about Thursday night, 8.30. In the middle of this, I read so much other stuff, mm-hmm. right? I found that at one point, about this time, four years in, Must TV was so popular that they went, we are going to do this every night of the week. They took must-see TV, which had always been Thursday, and they branded every night to must-see TV. Must-see TV Monday, must-see TV Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Friday, et cetera, et cetera. 97-98, they did a special rebranding for the entire year, and it became must-she TV. And it was all their, like, led-by-single-woman shows on one night. Okay. and that'd be fine. That would be fine. But here's why I wanted to wait to read what the shows. You said you got suddenly Susan and Veronica's Closet confused. Mm-hmm. Here's probably why you did that. This was their fall lineup on Tuesdays. Suddenly Susan, a show about a single woman as a busy newspaper columnist in New York City. Fired up at 8.30 about two fired single business executives in New York City starting over. Nine o'clock. Caroline in the City, about a busy single newspaper cartoonist in the city uh, making a go of it. 9.30, The Naked Truth, about a busy oh, single woman in a tabloid newspaper in New York City. Yes. Then, that was mid-season. Then, for the second half, 8 and 9 were the same. It stayed suddenly Susan and Caroline in the City. At 8.30, it became the big Jenny McCarthy show, Jenny, which was a huge deal. There was a marketing blitz because at one point, kids, in the late 90s, Jenny McCarthy was very attractive and very popular, and people thought she's going to be a star. Then they tried to make her a star, and it did not go well. (laughs) However, that is the one show in all of these that didn't take place in New York. It took place in L.A., but it still involved a single girl moving to the big city and trying to make it go over (laughs) Then, at 9.30 for the second half of this season was Veronica's Closet about a busy single executive at a lingerie company in New York City. And that was Kirstie Alley, right? Veronica's Closet? Correct. Correct. So, that's Tuesday Night Must Eat TV in 97.98. I I feel like we should also dive in here. We mentioned Jenny McCarthy just to explain to the kids. We should also explain what newspapers were to the kids, I think, because... (laughs) And what cartoons were. <laughs> oh, my God. Which, by the way, yes, because, let's see, one, 
two, three, four, uh, three of these involve people working on print journalism. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Which, by the way, I feel like there's a cliche when you talk about 90s sitcoms of like single girl in the city at the, uh, you know, getting the big job in the city and making a go of it. And I had legitimately always thought, well, that's just because suddenly Susan was really popular. That's overinflated. That's not that accurate. But reading this, when they put all of those shows on a single night, okay, yeah, no, I get I get the jokes now. In the 90s, single woman makes go of it in New York City was just a template that they copy-pasted. And so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Moving back to Thursdays at 8.30. We are going to 98.99, and we are going at 8.30. Both of their seasons aired at 8.30 on Thursdays, two years in a row, the show Jesse with um, Christina Applegate. That was the fall and winter of 98-99 was Jesse. Big one at 8.30 for the spring, season one of Will and Grace. So okay. in my mind, in my mind, it took 94-95 had friends, and that became obviously huge. It took until the 98-99 season. For them to hit at an 8.30 show that became, oh, this is huge. Because Will and mm -hmm. Grace, obviously, in their original run, forget the reboot, got eight seasons. True. Right? So, 99-2000, uh, the second season of Jesse didn't get renewed for a third. In the spring, you got the show Daddy-O with Michael Chiklis. I remember this show vaguely. It is Michael Chiklis as a father raising... It's it's a, your classic goofy dad sitcom. This, this is my first one where I I've never heard of this show. Like I I I have I have knowledge of all everything you've said so far. I've never heard of Daddy Up. So I, I wow. So uh, I'll read the synopsis from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Michael Chiklis starts as Chris Woods, a former restaurant supply salesman who decides to become a stay-at-home dad. So that's that's really what it is. His <laughs> wife's a busy lawyer. Here's the thing: it's Mr. Mom. It's Mr. Yeah. Mom. He's uh, he's he was a uh, he's the big man who's now the stay at home. Day. It's Mr. Mom. Uh, the first season was only five episodes. It did get renewed for a second season of thirteen episodes. Only four were aired. The rest were never aired. So Got it. Probably okay. why you don't remember Daddyo. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Two thousand to two thousand one. Two shows aired, Cursed and The Weber Show. Do you remember either of these? So, The Weber Show was Stephen Weber like a uh, news correspondent or news anchor, or or am I making that up? You're making it up because I tricked you. That's the same show. This is the trivia I want to draw. Oh, oh fuck! I got you. I wow. got you. So the show Cursed. It aired its entire season, 2000 to 2001. It got mm -hmm. the whole thing through. I say it aired the whole season. That's actually not true. It aired 17 of its 24 episodes, and then it was replaced by reruns of Friends. They did not put a second show into the 830 spot for the back. Okay. So the show Cursed was Stephen Weber, Chris Elliott, and a bunch of other people you don't know. And Stephen Weber goes on a bad date, and he is had a curse put on him that he has bad luck. And everyone says it's not true, but it really seems like it's probably true. 
you get six episodes of just the worst luck. The opening credits, which you can find on YouTube, are a single rain cloud following only him and raining on only him. The whole premise is that he is cursed and everything bad is going to happen to him. Uh, Liz Fair, by the way, recorded an original song for the theme song of this show. Wow. It was Steven Weber's big return to must-see TV, right, after <laughs> Wings. Mm -hmm. Six episodes in, the ratings are bad. They're not, like, it, people are thinking the show, executives get involved. Yeah. Episode seven, they rename the show to The Weber Show. They drop the entire cursed anchor, <laughs> kill the kill the entire opening credits and it's just a friends style sitcom about Weber and his buddies Weber is a marketing executive and it's following his love life wow so yes I, I don't have words there are there they they aired 17 of these episodes six more didn't air six of them had a premise that the rest didn't so so think wow. about that. I, I yeah I'm not sure I can process this that that is remarkable <laughs> oh I'm sorry by the way I was I misspoke I have my notes here I was saying six episodes left on air two were left unaired 17 did air but they only made 19 I was giving up to the full season that it would have been wow. they stopped making the show <laughs> they went you're done <laughs> you're okay isn't that fascinating here's what that... I want people to do oh go ahead please go ahead I would say is that the last one or do we, we did I forget is there a couple no, more? No, no, we have we, uh, we have more. five more. We have five oh, more years wow. to go. Wow, nice. So, however, I'm not done yet talking about cursed. <laughs> so I'm going to YouTube right now because I fell into a fucking hole. I was doing my research, right? I was doing my research, and mm -hmm. I was like, "How can I? I need to see this show. How do I do this?" Episode seven which is the first episode after the rebrand, is on SD quality YouTube. You can find that entire episode on YouTube and watch it. The Weber Show, episode seven. Okay. More importantly, on a show, on a channel that's called Dead Media, which I fell into a hole on on its own, it's canceled shows, canceled sitcoms, old commercials. They have the uh, commercial that ran on Thursday before it debuted saying cursed coming up. And it's like a musical commercial of the cast singing and dancing before a lighting rig falls, hits and knocks out Steven Weber. So to like sell the cursed premise. Oh my God. That the most exciting part of this, I found a YouTube channel. This person could be a mass murderer. I do not know this person. I do not know what this person has done in their life. I do not want to affiliate myself with this person if they are a bad person. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to give a YouTube channel's name out right now because this is where you can find this. There is a YouTube channel, Anwa De Leeds. A-N-W-A-D-E-L-E-A-D-S. I assume it's a guy's YouTube channel, one person's YouTube channel. What you can find on here is a bunch of random sports videos and a bunch of random old sitcom videos. It is a mix. He has not posted anything in a year. However, five years ago, he posted four videos. Weber show slash cursed funniest moments. And <laughs> it's four different episodes cut between five to eight minutes in each video of his favorite moments from these shows. And every one of these videos is from after the format change. It's wow. from after they got rid of the curse. 
So, I watched these. This show looks terrible. This show looks terrible. There is one episode that I'm pretty sure they tried to make Chasing Amy because I I was only watching the best of where it was cut up, so I didn't watch the actual episode. But one of the scenes was like him with his friend who is apparently a lesbian talking about like, but would I ever have a chance? And she's like, no. And do you ever think that the reason you become friends with lesbians is because you have a fear of commitment? And I was like, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> wow. So, so that that's, I'm moving on. I'm yep. moving on from cursed. But when I tell you, remember I said I was at a work event this past week. I would go home from the event and I would have nights in my hotel, alone in my hotel. One night, one entire night was spent obsessing over the show cursed. Wow. Like I got home to my hotel, I would say about eight o'clock and I went to bed about 1 a.m. And the entire <laughs> time, was me obsessing over the show Cursed. So, is that on. more Is that more interest than the entire viewership time that that aired on NBC? That'd be my guess. I, I would say I would say probably yes. rivals it if it wasn't more. So, Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> if there's anyone that listens to this that has cursed trivia facts, that has cursed behind-the-scenes info, that can put me in touch with Steven Weber so I can talk about the show Cursed with him, please email me mikebarcode at gmail.com. That's M-I-K-E-B-A-R-C-O-D-E at gmail.com. I'm begging you. Wow. Are you ready for the last four years <laughs> I'm glad of I'm Must TV Thursday? Okay. <laughs> 2000, I kind of lost the, I lost the narrative. 2001 to 2002, Inside Schwartz. It had one season. There were four unaired episodes. Uh, it was the entire fall. Brecken Meyer, is that that one? Yes, that's exactly yep. it. Well done. Sports writer, yeah. Another writer. Here we yep. go. More and more print. Yeah. That, it was a big thing in the 90s. People don't write anymore. It's all AI generated. <laughs> this, I'm actually AI. Uh, how do you record this show with my voice? <laughs> then the show Leap of Faith, which had a single six episode season in the winter, also got canceled. Dara Paulson? Is that that one? Yes. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> I had never heard of this show. Yes. <laughs> You're not looking this up right now. You remember? No, I was in college remember. at this point, so I didn't have much to do except sit around and watch bad TV. So, so that's that's a peak into your college experience was sitting around watching NBC <laughs> Thursday nights. Leap of faith, yeah. That's amazing. I love this so much. After that show was canceled in the spring, they did not try a third show. They put on more reruns of Friends. Okay. So, o two o three, we got a good one. We got a good one. It got the entire season. It's Scrubs season two. They just, second season of Scrubs, the entire okay. year. End of story. Really nothing to put on there. I didn't remember that was on the, Thursday. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's next season started on Thursdays before moving. I did not track where it went to. Season three started on Thursdays, but it it was barely on Thursdays for season three. Oh. In the fall still, it was replaced by the show Good Morning Miami in its second and final season. Good Morning Miami had started at 9.30 the season before. I did look into that. Okay. So then this one is the one that to me actually has the most changes because it went Scrub Season 3, then it went Good Morning Miami, then in the winter it was part of Will and Grace. No, in the winter it was Will and Grace Season 3, but only the partial season, only for the winter. Then Will and Grace Season 3 moved to its regular night. 
Okay. And that was season six for Will and Grace at that point. And then in the spring, once again, there was no new show and they aired reruns of Friends. Okay. This is kind of the doldrums of the 830 time slot. Good fallback there. Yes. <laughs> 0405, Will and Grace season seven, the entire season. The whole season aired. The next year, 05, 06, it started with Will and Grace's final original season, which was season eight. Okay. And then it moved to whatever, wherever it finished out its season. Then the show Four Kings aired, and it has six unaired episodes. I remembered this one. Do you remember who starred in Four Kings? Uh, no. I'm disappointed because you've I been mean... pulling out the you've been you've been pulling out the random. Yeah, unless Mark was Mark was Mark Feuerstein in, in any of those. I I'd, uh, I think he was in no, one of yes, them. Yes, that in, was Good Morning in Miami. Okay, that was Good yeah. Morning Miami. That was Good Morning Miami. Yes. So uh, that'd be God, my only how... guess. I want to let you know this conversation. I get why I'm alone when I have this entire conversation. You're married with a child. I God bless your wife. You found someone who can love you for you. It defies logic, dude. It really does. After Four Kings got canceled in the winter, which starred Seth Green, by the way. Okay. It had six unaired episodes. We end out the original 14-year run of must-see TV in the spring with reruns of My Name is Earl. So Interesting. there you go. Okay. And just for reference, the year after Must See TV officially ended, they rebranded Comedy Night Done Right. And at 8.30 for the entire season, season three of The Office from 2006 to 2007. Okay. That's a great season of The Office. Yeah. So, What a ride. Yeah, right? What a ride. What a ride. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did the research for this week. <laughs> this is the type of hard-hitting journalism that in the year 2024 people need. This is this is the stuff people need to worry about. With all that's going on in the world, this is what people need to be thinking I just, about. Right? I, I, Must see TV Thursdays. Wait, I hope I hope we wait a while for our TGIF reveal, but uh, yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> I had never even thought about oh my god uh, before we move on for a future week yeah. are you talking about the entire in my mind you're talking about the entire TGIF lineup mm -hmm. over the branding of TGIF yeah. right not one time frame like, it's going to be a long conversation yeah when we do it yeah this sounds fantastic this sounds fantastic oh my god I missed one I missed one by the way we got I got so excited to talk about Mushy TV yeah in the spring of the 97-98 season the second season of Just Shoot okay. Me Here to the Spring. I was about to ask about that because I was like, it never hit at 8.30. So, um, and One year, and it was only part of their season. So to, to, to branch things out, to make it, to ease back into to cool guy territory, we're dialing it back to cool guy Randy's music corner. Oh, boy. Which I, uh, is what I'm now going to call it for this week, maybe next week. So, cool guy Randy and his cool guy music. I would like to know before we get moving, I want to cool. give you credit for Cool Guy Randy's Music Corner. I'm going to give you uh, an update every time. Week one, you gave the Strokes <laughs> album. I didn't like it. Yep. I listened to it. I didn't care for it. It felt repetitive to me. I wasn't a fan. Last week, you gave Radiohead's The Bends, and I fucking loved it. I had never listened to it. Great it was album. the forgotten Radiohead album for me. I listened to it on the plane to Houston this past week. It was the best way to just chill out on the plane and let the music wash over me. I can't give you tracks or that I loved or anything. I just kind of gave it that one good listen. I would need to give it more to really dive into it. But that one nailed it. You were right. I loved it. Moving on. Awesome. This next one may be a little polarizing and it's a little bizarre to, to, to call it the cool guy thing because it's led by 
Um, their lead singer is kind of known for being a little bit nerdy and a little bit of a, I don't want to say a tool, maybe, but, um, so I'm going with 1996's Pinkerton, which is the second album from Weezer. <laughs> so we have finally, because you don't tell me mm -hmm. what we talk about beforehand, which is by design, mm -hmm. we want to see what I know, how I react, what we do. What it... This is one of my favorite albums of all time. Wow. Okay. I love Pinkerton. I love Weezer. I am a Weezer fanboy to this day. Nice. If you know, so the last two weeks we have done a thing where we go look at your phone and tell me what you have from this artist. Yep. I'm gonna hold this up because <laughs> we have video to each other. Look at, uh, and I'm talking modern nice. Weezer albums up to through Van Weezer and the White Album. I love Weezer. But I want to hear your dissertation. I want to hear your pitch, your sell. Why do you love this album? Matt Damon hosted Saturday Night Live probably seven, eight, nine years ago, and there was a uh, there was a sketch. He was at dinner with his well, you thought it was his wife or his girlfriend, and uh, Beck Bennett and his wife Vanessa Bayer, Keenan Thompson, and uh, Leslie Jones. So, and they're all sitting around. It's supposed to be around the holidays. Well, we're so, thank you. That's what neighbors do. They come over and they have, and and Matt Damon goes, oh, wait, this song, do you hear it? And it, he's like, oh, this is Weezer's cover of Africa. And uh, <laughs> so, and it becomes this kind of back and forth where Matt Damon is one of the Weezer, one of those type of Weezer fans. And it was very niche and very kind of meta and, and for a very select audience to be like, all right. He liked everything after Pinkerton. <laughs> and then Leslie Jones is is basically being like, I'll give you up to the green album, but then after that is all trash. And it's, there's, it's so hilarious because there are so like anybody who is a moderate fan of Weezer falls into one of those two categories. I mean, there, there's probably some crossover, but I don't know if you would agree with that. I if it was a Weezer head. One hundred percent agree with that. And because probably because that's what this podcast is, I one hundred percent remember that sketch, and I loved that sketch because <laughs> as someone who loves all of it, well after Pinkerton, well after the green album. I felt attacked watching that sketch. <laughs> I will say that the the middle period, if you're talking like your everything will be all right, your ratitudes, your red albums, those aren't albums that I can listen to top, you know, back to front, top to bottom. There's skippable tracks in there. The catch is you get to the white album at 2016, I can listen to that entire thing. That entire thing, first track to last track. They do good music. But we are not talking about the White Album. We're talking about Pinkerton. So, so talk to me more about Pinkerton. <laughs> well, and I, I hate to break it to you, but I'm going to be attacking because I'm Leslie Jones in this scenario. You so it's just I... <laughs> you motherfucker! I thought we were friends. I thought we'd found. Wait, are we friends? Wait, are these I, guys friends? I thought we found the moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're finding out because I go beyond Pinkerton, which is this is the second album. I go there's it's pretty much maybe the first two or three tracks of. Oh, I mean, the next five albums that that I I go the second half of almost every one of these albums I can't listen to it. I'm, wow. it's, it's not and the most recent stuff. I'm just I'm like I, I'm out. So wow. but it's, neither here or there. We'll we'll bring we'll do our fisticuffs in person at some point later. But uh, <laughs> like that's amazing. I, I think <laughs> it's I am uh, obsessed with the first two albums that, that Weezer did, and even more so Pinkerton. It, it it's. I always say that's even a little bit divisive there too. Some people will argue with either the blue album is better than Pinkerton and vice versa. I think there are people who would say the only good album they ever did was the blue album. Yeah. Which I will fight. That's... I obviously will fight. You will 
mildly disagree with. So it sounds like I'll yeah. you know I'll throw a sucker punch at them and then go back to their side or yeah. whatever. But it, it so but th- what was interesting about this album is you know the blue album came out you know it it had this they were thought of this California kind of garage bandy whatever it had that there's so many calling cars of Weezer that the the difference you know they had this thing where they tried to play together so that the bass and the main guitar sound like one 10 string instrument that was an actual thing they were trying to do so instead of playing off of one another with a guitar sound it was trying to sound as one tuned instrument together they would play Matt Sharp the bassist would try to would actually learn to sing falsetto because he would try to do his quote-unquote harmony just singing higher than what Rivers was doing Rivers Cuomo the lead singer and it it, it was the Blue Album wildly successful, and Weezer's. I, I would say Weezer's other calling card is that it's very easy to yell sing along to a lot of the lyrics. Like they just have this. I I could get any sort of snippet from a from a bunch of different songs, and if you know the song at all, you start to kind of. I, I like I said, yell sing is kind of the best way I can do it. The Blue Album, it sort of, it, it shoved Weezer into superstardom because MTV, all the videos that they had, the Buddy Holly video was was kind of iconic because it had just this, from just from a video editing standpoint and incorporating different footage and other things like that, and Happy Days and other things, right? Like, and, um, and so, uh, but I, I should get to Pinkerton here. The As they got into that, Rivers had this, thing where he was kind of uncomfortable with the stardom that he'd encountered again river's kind of a weird dude but uh <laughs> so he he wasn't sure how to think of all of this and i want to say anonymity but like there were these anonymous people he he was having all these fans but he couldn't necessarily connect with any of them so he he was looking for personal connections um some of it you know just the, even just looking for love he's in his early 20s and he has all these girls that are throwing himself at him but he doesn't necessarily have any connection to them. And so he really kind of struggled with that, that component of it at the same time as, as they, the band was kind of a, a part and they were thinking about what they're going to do for their next album. Um, Rivers actually went to Harvard for two semesters uh, to study classical composition. And at the same time he had, uh, he was born with one leg longer than the other. And so he had, reconstructive surgery on his right leg to elongate it which i guess is a very painful and long (laughs) recovering process and so this turned into this kind of different thing where he was writing a lot of different songs and about his experiences and so pinkerton came out of that where it was it, it felt a lot more the weirdest part i think about pinkerton but it's still kind of fun is that the lyrics don't always match the sound in my opinion so what rivers is talking about in a lot of these songs if you go back and read the lyrics you're kind of like oh okay um (laughs) it's a little bit uh you know and it's very much someone in their early 20s that is successful and kind of embodying the rock star lifestyle but the music is still so much that you can sing along to it and i i i think i found myself you know singing loudly along to the lyrics before i kind of realized what some of the lyrics were but it's still it's it's such an awesome rock album from beginning to end and has a little bit similar to kind of what we're talking about with the bends where there are some super rock and stripped down songs in this and then there's a couple more laid back ones that are fun but um i 
I, I, I adore this album because I can listen to it start to finish. Um, I did it actually on the way into work the other day. I have about a 30, 45 minute commute, depending on traffic. Put this on, it's 35 minutes, and found myself, I'm sure everybody that was driving alongside me saw me just, you know, same deal, yell, screaming, singing along to the song, because because uh, the songs all come back easy. They're, it's just a very easy, awesome listen. El Scorcho is one of my favorite karaoke songs. <laughs> I would like to note that that's always been a <laughs> nice. good one. It, it's just a good time. That's when you talk about the scream singers, El Scorcho is a great one for that one. It's such a different tone this week compared to the others, because this is the first album I know. Yeah. So this the the first one where I can go. I agree on the album. I obviously have wildly different opinions on <laughs> the band. Uh, the 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 way the album opens and the way it builds and the way the tracks flow from one to another, it is one of the things I mentioned the other weeks is how much I hate when I listen to an album and I feel like things homogenize and they start to sound the same. I never feel that listening to this album. Mm -hmm. I, everything feels unique and distinctive and just iconic to me and just such a good thing. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I feel like a lot of people talk about with Weezer that when Rivers got happy is when they stopped liking Weezer. <laughs> like the Weezer that people liked is when he was writing about all the shit he was going through. Then he like got his life sorted out. And they're, to me, they're still making good, catchy music I enjoy. But other people, it's like a no smack, no soul situation, you know? Oh, you got clean? Don't want it. I will say there is something to the fact of the it, the redemptive part of it within the struggle or, or whatever like that. I, I think The Good Life, where he's kind of, it, it, it feels like he's turning a corner on that song. And so that, that does have a happier vibe to it than a lot of the other songs. And it's mm -hmm. nice to have that amongst the other things. And then it's even kind of funnier to go into El Scorcho right after The Good Life because <laughs> it feels like, oh, hey, cool, he's kind of come back. And now he's yelling at somebody because he doesn't understand what's going on. Like it just, it, it has almost yes. a comedic aspect yes. to it, which is great. Still holds up front to back. Like it's, a, I can put it on and I'm, I'm good for 35 minutes. It's easy listen. That's awesome. Yes, 100. percent I was so excited when you chose an album I loved, and I thought we <laughs> finally found that common ground on some of these musical <laughs> things. I know we share a lot of musical tastes, but even three weeks into this, I'm, I'm seeing that the reason we talked about what we talked about is because we both knew we liked those things. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting to branch out a little and see where <laughs> we're at. So that's good. I, I would like to know, dialing all the way back to the very start of this, talking about that Matt Damon sketch, I fucking hate the cover of Africa, yeah. and I hate that entire covers album. Yeah. I love their original music and even their modern original music that they're putting out. I hated the Africa thing because it came about as giving in to pandering. Mm. On Twitter, people were like, wouldn't it be great if Weezer covered this? It would be hilarious. It'd be great because it's the right vibe, blah, blah, blah. So they did it, and they put on an album because they're cashing in. Get that bag. Why not? That's what you do. <laughs> but they did nothing to me that made it feel different or special. It was literally just, hi, we recorded Africa. Mm. This was unnecessary. Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it. Make it yours. Sure. And I, w I wanted to... I wanted to make sure that as I talk about my love of late era Weezer, I didn't. I needed you to know that I hate that cover and that covers album. I uh, wanted to put that out there. That's, so we'll get you on the right side eventually okay. here. So oh, how dare you! <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on to Mike's less than cool guy corner. 
So I had texted you that the comic book topic I wanted to talk about. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is so mean, what I'm about to say. It's so mean. I have not had our cameras up for a lot of this, right? Because I'm okay. looking at notes and the internet and tricking things. I put up our cameras so we can see each other while I'm doing something. And the, you had leaned in at just the right angle that it looked just like the fisheye when Ace Ventura is looking in the water tank. Like, <laughs> I looked over as I'm moving and I was like, Jesus Christ, that's, what the hell? Is, I was like, oh, yeah. And he's doing more of it right now. So, again, audio format. Mm -hmm. I wish you guys could see what I see. It just was the right second as you were like adjusting your chair. And I just looked over and I was like, oh. I don't know. Right. In an audio format, you could be making all this up. I could be doing none of this. And so. so the topic I had originally messaged you about, because unlike while you don't give me the album topic, I'm moving forward. I've kind of thought, you know, we maybe have more common ground on music and you have less maybe on some of the comics, you know, stuff like that mm -hmm. let me give you a heads up maybe you can think about something and all that i had mentioned that i wanted to talk about the x-men and their movies their comics and how their status quo might be turning into something else with marvel and the mcu getting them back i still want to talk about that but that led me to kind of a side topic that i think you might have more interest in okay if i were to ask you to describe like yeah, have you seen the movies? Have you seen the X-Men movies? Yeah. Is my mm -hmm. question. Yeah, I have. If you're described the team, and like described like you're 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 thinking of when I guess I was thinking of the X-Men, you think of what? The school, yep. Professor Xavier. Sure. Yep. The X-Men as the movies have treated them, how the X-Men cartoon treated them, how people think, how mainstream audiences think of the X-Men has not been the X-Men for a very long time. Okay. The catch being now that Marvel is getting the rights back, you know, has gotten the rights back, and they're starting them into the MCU, it is very clear that they are beginning a status quo reset. Okay. They are taking all the things that the X-Men comics have been, and can I tell you, from about 2019 on, it has been one of the most unique creative runs I've ever read, and I have loved it, and that's what led me to this topic, is seeing, because you mentioned the Captain Marvel after credit scene, spoiler alert, mm -hmm. Beast shows up, Beast from the X-Men, mm -hmm. and it's clearly Beast in the mansion, in the school, being Beast. What triggered that for me is, in the comics, Beast is a war criminal. Beast mm -hmm. is a war criminal who caused a genocide. Oh, my. <laughs> and and he was only getting worse over the years. This only happened about a year ago. And I saw Beast, friendly Kelsey Grammer Beast, and I just thought, oh, we're going back to basics. <laughs> oh, we're going back to basics. The Beast that has been developing in the comics turned into one of, here's the best part, he never left the X-Men. He wasn't a supervillain. He just was kind of, you've heard of X-Force, which was mm -hmm. like their kind of their Black Ops division. Beast took over X-Force and in the shadows was just being like, all right, we're going to infiltrate this nation and mind control the entire nation. And if they try to turn against us, we might kill them. And that's what he did. Oh my. So, <laughs> yes. Beast ain't a great guy. <laughs> but 
the 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 rumor is and plan is now he's gonna die and be resurrected in a similar manner to reset him to a friendly lovely beast from the 90s oh okay the the point the topic that all of this led me to i decided not to go on a big x-men dissertation it led me to when do the comics change to match the movies i'm gonna read off some changes to you okay. and i want to want you to just give me your gut reactions, laugh. Tell me if you knew any of these, maybe by chance. Okay. The big one is Nick Fury. Like, what do you think of when you think of Nick Fury? Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember the mid 90s Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV movie? Not the one from post MCU, the mid 90s, where Nick Fury was played by David Hasselhoff. I don't. <laughs> because here's the thing as bad as that movie was, that was pitch perfect Nick Fury casting at the time. Huh. The Ultimate Comics were, have you heard of, you saw, we talked about Across the Spider-Verse last week, right? We did. Mm -hmm. Miles Morales started in a parallel universe of comics called The Ultimate Universe. Okay. In The Ultimate Universe, they went for years. There was a whole other team of Avengers, a whole other setup, right? There were things that were similar, things that were different. One of the big things that was different was... Nick Fury was not a man who had lived through World War II and took a formula that gave him essentially eternal life. He was a man who looked just like Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> what happened was the Avengers movies take off. The, the whole MCU becomes popular. Suddenly, all these mainstream people are coming to comic books going, who's this Nick Fury? It's this <laughs> old white man chopping on a cigar with an eye patch, and they're like, who the fuck is this? This is what they did to bring Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury into the mainstream Marvel comics. Because while Miles is the same Miles, the Miles that's in the mainstream comics now is the Miles from the Ultimate Universe. Okay. They did this big thing. His whole continuity and history is what was published the entire time. He just happens to live in the mainstream Marvel Universe now. There was a big event, as tends to happen, mm -hmm. and then they, they <laughs> smushed him in there. Nick Fury was not as clever. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, bald black Nick Fury, is the illegitimate son of white old man Nick Fury. Wow. So he is technically Nick Fury Jr. However, to get old man Nick Fury out of the way, they put him on the moon in prison as a bad guy. He he murdered, you've heard of the Watcher, you know, the big yeah. bald guy mm -hmm. that showed up in some area. He murdered the Watcher in the comics. He murdered the Watcher. Wow, they, okay. He found out that Nick, the Watcher knew that Nick Fury was doing some clandestine stuff, murdered the Watcher. So they stuck Nick Fury on the moon. He's the new Watcher. So technically, old man Nick Fury is still around. He's just hanging out on the moon in a trapped area being the new Watcher. Nick Fury Jr. is suddenly in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. And maybe he just doesn't call himself Jr. anymore. He's just Nick Fury. Wow. So technically, he's Nick Fury Jr., and technically, Nick Fury Sr. is around, but we don't ever talk about it and we don't ever address it. I'm stunned they've never made that like a, a confuse everyone post credit scene, but just to be <laughs> where 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 old where an old white Nick Fury yeah, shows like up. Yeah, like old David Hasselhoff's like, on the moon or something, you know, just like being, being the like, watcher. Son, I need, son, I need to. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like he shows up to Samuel <laughs> Jackson and it's like, son, I need to talk to you. Actually, son. That would, uh... <laughs> I'm on board with this. Can we so, make this happen? Like, <laughs> oh god, it's great. Uh, other Marvel ones that happened that 
What's great about these is the amount of hoops they had to go through to make them match the movies. Mm -hmm. The movies were just like, yeah, that's what it is. And the comics were like, well, we have 60 years of continuity that you're undoing. <laughs> and if we want to make it match, we got to do this. In the Spider-Man movies, Tobey Maguire has his web shooters. They're just organic. They yep. come out of his wrist. You saw No Way Home, probably. They yep. addressed it. They make sure. jokes about it. In the comics, for about five years, they gave him the organic web shooters. Basically, during the Tobey Maguire era of movies, okay. they gave him organic web shooters. Here is how they did this in the comic books. There was a villain who poisoned Peter Parker, and he was transformed into a giant, living, eight-foot spider. Okay. And he eventually... Uh, they were trying to figure out how to bring Peter back. They couldn't figure it out. What happened to Peter? He's running wild. He's a feral spider. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Peter <laughs> turned into a spider. As they're fighting him, suddenly he stops fighting, and he cocoons himself. Oh, God. And for an issue, this giant spider is in a cocoon. And finally, <laughs> the cocoon opens. And when the cocoon opens, it's just Peter Parker. And Peter Parker is living there, sitting there in a cocoon naked. And all his friends and family are like, Peter, what's going on? And he wakes up and he's fine. But he goes, wait, something's different. And he has organic web shooters. And he starts shooting them out of his wrists. <sighs> By the way, how that was undone was part of the one of the least popular Spider-Man stories of all time. It is called One More Day. I could go 20 minutes on One More Day. <laughs> I won't do that. But the long and short of that event is Aunt May is going to die sell something to Mephisto. What he sells yep. to Mephisto is his love for Mary Jane. And they undo everything and rewrite all. It was a total reboot of continuity of Spider-Man, oh, okay. which also was done, which was also done around the time of the Andrew Garfield movies to match oh, Tony oh. being single again. To match Peter, I said Tony. To match Peter being single again. I'm on. I got one more Marvel one. Mm -hmm. I got one more Marvel one. Blade in 98. Mm -hmm. The original Blade was never a vampire. Blade was a really good vampire hunter who was uh, immune to the bite of a vampire. Mm. That was his only power. Okay. That was the only thing he could do. Other than that, he was a dude. <laughs> there was an event in 98 where suddenly Blade was like, I need to be stronger. I need to be faster. I need more agility. You know, I need to be a vampire. <laughs> so he got bitten by a vampire... But not any vampire, because remember, he's immune to the bite of a vampire. He was changed into what he is now, the movie-style Blade, where he's still that type of character, by Morbius, the uh, living vampire, the Spider-Man villain. Of so, course. So, so that has been Mike gives Randy comic book factoids, <laughs> sees if he has anything interesting to say, and honestly, no, he doesn't, because he's like, I don't care about any of this. Why are you talking to me about this? This segment's only in here because you wanted it to be in here. Is that is that a better name for that? Uh, it's yeah, We can tighten it up, but yeah. it's uh... <laughs> All right, cool. It's all right. It's a little lengthy, understood. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I forgot about a change that I think is coming to the X-Men that just makes me laugh. Yep. When you think of Jubilee, you probably think of Jubilee in the car, the cartoon. Like Correct. Valley Girl, Yellow Jacket. Did you know they turned Jubilee into a vampire at one point? No. Jubilee, in the comics, until very recently, right now she's dead, was a oh, vampire. Okay. She'd gotten turned into a vampire, 
and in one mission, they were in Hungary, and an orphanage got destroyed, and she adopted one of the kids. Okay. So for a lot of years in the comics, Jubilee was a vampire with an adopted Hungarian son. I needed you to know that. <laughs> Her, uh, She doesn't have any superpowers otherwise. She's literally okay. just a vampire. So wow. I needed you to know that. So, yes. <laughs> okay. So, comics. I got to tell you. Comic books are fucking wild, man. Yeah, I love apparently, comics. yeah. <laughs> They're so good. So we are going to transition to our final segment that we do every week. We talk about a random Simpsons episode. Randy, you chose this episode. We're going to talk all about it. What do you got? So Lisa gets an A, and the A's in quotation marks. This is from season 10, episode 7. Lisa gets a cold. Ms. is out of school. She's given a homework assignment to read a, the book, The Wind of the Willows. She gets addicted to a video game, so she doesn't actually read and study. By the time she gets there, she goes to take the test that she didn't know was going to happen. She was worried she was going to get a zero. Bart takes her to Nelson to get the answers of the, uh, of the test. She's conflicted because, you know, she's a smart kid. I don't cheat, uh, but ends up going ahead and getting the answers then is sort of conflicted throughout the rest of the episode because she does very well on that test um the it it's and it it goes from there the other the b plot of this uh, and one of my favorite b plots i think in simpsons history is homer wants to get a lobster but it's really expensive so he gets a very small lobster and raises it <laughs> at the house it's just a little bit of how he's basically Paying way more attention to the lobster than anyone else in the family. Uh, that's kind of the, the B plot of the whole thing. It's a, a bunch of like really fun kind of bizarre asides that have nothing to do with the main plot, but that's kind of the most fun part of it. That's that's the kind of quick version of, of what that episode does. How, how do you feel about this episode? I, there are very few, I think, laugh out loud. Like I, I sometimes really mark the Simpsons by when do I get a point where I'm just, I, I either drop or like, I can't believe that I'm laughing at something because it's, it, it hit me and I wasn't prepared for it. There aren't as many of those in this, but I think the storyline is really good. Like, because it, it deals with kind of Lisa's morality and she has to be, she identifies with being the super smart kid that always gets A's that always does that. And she's presented with a situation where she just you know we all make mistakes and she she fell into something where she's going to have to deal with the consequences of that but she's presented with an opportunity where she doesn't have to and she, she deals with the morality of that i like the storyline because it is a fleshed out story that i think is pretty universal but at the end and the simpsons does a nice job uh shed all over simpsons tall tales last week because i didn't think they did anything with the actual con subject con you know subject things to work with and whereas this they felt like it, it had a very simpsons twist on it where the end of it was completely simpsons it was great it was great i love that part of it i absolutely agree i i think you hit the nail on the head where you said you didn't laugh out loud but that was not damning this episode it is a good mm -hmm. episode that you enjoyed you chuckled there are great moments which also i feel like is most lisa episodes of the classic era Lisa episodes are never laugh out loud in my mind. If you can think of one, let me know. But that also, I think, is why you get a Homer subplot like this, because they know it at this time. This is the era yeah. where they got their shit unlocked. They go, listen, there are funny moments in the Lisa story, but this is a, a dramedy-esque topic for her. This is a lot of moral struggle for her. When we cut away from that, we're going as weird as we humanly can. <laughs> so... It, it's, it's a good balance from them. And in this, re-looking at the 10th season, I'm not going to go all four, 
the ninth season to me has always been where I feel like they started to turn the corner, where it wasn't as good, mm -hmm. but they're still all timers. And in my mind, I remembered the tenth season being worse than it is. I looked. There's a lot of good episodes in the season, and this is right up yep. there. This is a very good season. I would like to note that this episode had the start of. I felt like they didn't do this a lot. The like seasons one through eight, there would be a first act that really dates the episode. Like a lot mm. of the other first acts don't like are timeless, right? Something's going on and it could take place at any time. This first act, it has the fancy whole food style grocery store and it's being played for laughs. The Ben and Jerry ice cream with the funny names. What a weird thing. How odd is that? <laughs> you know, uh, the end. Sherbert with, Hoover. Right. When Lisa's playing the, the video game, dates it because it is very much an N64 pixel style situation. There are so many mm -hmm. classic episodes that could slip into any time frame in any era. Watching this for as good as it is, I really felt like this first act was like we are in 1998. We are we are in 1998. What's really interesting about the video game part of it is that they when they animated the episode, they actually had to more pixelate that part of it because it looked too close to the actual animation that they were doing. It was hard to do an animated within an animated, so that was the reason they chose to make that look even more pixelated than usual. But yeah, it looks like which is funny because like for the time or even yeah. For the time, yeah. it would have looked super accurate. It's like, wow, they nailed that. That's yeah. fantastic. Now I'm yeah. like, ooh, they did nail that. That's the, yeah. <laughs> the, the one other thing in the Whole Foods was like, you could tell it was an early dig at like hip parents, which I feel like was an early topic that was coming up in the late 90s and 2000s with the bratty kid. It was just one of those dated things. That being said, there are moments in this episode and I'm looking at, what do I have in here? <laughs> about the Lisa part of the plot. And there are a couple of things, because a lot of my notes are about how much I love the Homer plot, just like you. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the perfect Homer subplot. He's not stupid in it. He's Homer. He's not stupid. He's actually very clever, and he's doing a lot of hard work, and he's not, like, doing things that are impossible by physics standards. Like, it's a good subplot. It's reasonable. It's just goofy. Sure. For the Lisa, though, I want to take a few notes. When they're in the bathroom getting the test notes from Nelson, and Willie's like, don't cheat, I cheated, and he's unplugging the toilet, the only note I have is that's prime, top-notch groundskeeper Willie. The line delivery, <laughs> the animation. If you go back and watch that episode, people, and you watch that scene of Willie, that is peak groundskeeper Willie. I... You got a friend, do you? I mean, just <laughs> it just keeps going. It's great. Help me out here. I wish I'd remembered why. Mm -hmm. I just wrote the note. I love when Marge is excited and engaged. Because so often Marge is, huh, or huh. But the moments when Marge is just excited about something that's so down to earth, it, it gets me every time. It makes me chuckle. Do you remember what it is offhand? Where, oh, oh, I remember what it is. It's when she's going to cook yep. Pinchy. She's so excited yeah. to oh, yeah. cook Pinchy that she's like, oh, look at that. Oh, he's going to, he's fat. Oh, this is great. It's so rare that Marge is so actively hyped to do something like that. And it's always yeah, something true. normal and mundane, like cooking the lobster. <laughs> there was a joke that the joke where right after that, where Homer's like, we can't get Pinchy. Look how cute he is. And Homer sees the big cartoon eyes. And Marge sees a realistic, gross lobster. I wrote, yeah. that's a Red and Stimpy joke. 
they would do mm. the the goofy they they always had those frames where they cut to a hard painted highly detailed frame out of nowhere that didn't fit with anything else they were doing. That's a Ren and Stimpy joke yeah. to me. <laughs> the tetherball joke when they're talking about budget cuts at the school and our tetherball court is deplorable and it cuts to Millhouse and Bart or Millhouse and Nelson pushing a cinder block on the tetherball and it hits Millhouse in the face was one of my laugh out loud guffaws. When the thud of him just gets smacked, his glasses go off, I died. And then it also has two, two, I tell you, of the most iconic mm. Ralph quotes of all oh, yeah. time. I'm going to say one that's one I say to this day in my everyday life, and I'll let you at the other because I assume it'll be the one I'm thinking of. For me, of the one I hit in my everyday life is, I'm learning. I say that <laughs> to this day more than I ever should. And the other quote, if an all-timer, Randy, give it, it to us. It's got to be high Super Nintendo Chalmers. I mean, it has to be that. You <laughs> are one hundred percent right it is one of the most iconic ralph quotes of all time hi principal skinner hi super nintendo chalmers that's in the same scene those two quotes yeah. are in the same scene incredible my god that's iconic stuff it, what, what it, else do you have on this well it's it's more of an overlying thing i'd have to see how many episodes super nintendo chalmers this in but it, it i feel like his batting average is so high in Simpsons. I yes. mean, just every time he's yeah. in, whether it's just the Skinner, I mean, just just doing that is funny. But he always seems to get a line or three that are just incredible yes. of his just... And, I mean, even the very end, right after Principal Skinner goes, now let's give a hand to the real comptroller. And he's pushing him out. <laughs> you just hear under his breath, and go, yes. Like, like yes. It's, yeah. so it's just, there's so much that he just, I, overall, it made me think yeah. about how just every time Super Dun Chalmers is in an episode, it's just, it's incredible. Maybe, maybe the one where he get doesn't he get with Skinner's mom at some point? Is that yeah, a, a little am weird. I making that up? That yeah. one, but but no, other no, than that's that, later on. His, his, his batting percentage. But no, you're or, right. He, high, high, and that high. stays that stays into the modern era. There is a late twenties season uh, era episode that I really enjoy. It's a it's it hits some of those Simpsons issues with the late twenties seasons where the Simpsons go on a big trip to a big event, which became way too cliche and way too regular. Mm -hmm. But it's when Lisa does a film about her family and they go to Sundance. And it turns out that Skinner and Chalmers are running a production company together. <laughs> it is one of my, it is late era Simpsons, but the Chalmers-Skinner interplay makes it as good as anything they've ever done. Nice. Chalmers is an all-time. Have you seen that episode that I'm talking about? Uh, not in, in full, if I haven't. I may have to go check it out now. Well, so I'm going to tell you right now, if we're alternating that's next week's episode All right, we'll done. give you the proper title Sweet. we'll talk about that episode next week so the other the one other thing that i had that i noticed this time that i had not noticed before is at the very end when they're trying to say lisa come on up here to you know and bart has the little puppet thing that's you know her waving that's actually a slight callback to the point of when bart goes out into the hallway to see lisa and like shouldn't you be in class and he's like oh i just whipped up something in shop and you see the thing back in there oh. so there is i think i don't know if that was intentional but it's like okay yes bart could have made this because he made that thing earlier that we already saw i was like right. oh that's kind of a cool call the, the, i don't know if they intended it or not but it was something i noticed this time no you're right it, it, 
it could have been a one, either one could have been a one-off joke, but it does lend some credibility mm -hmm. to to the situation. For the people, we've been trying to get better about describing the actual episodes instead of just <laughs> ranting off jokes that we like, which is still going to always be part of this. The moral struggle at the end is resolved by the entire town and school board lying to Lisa. <laughs> she goes up. She is honest. She comes clean to the, the school's going to get grant money because she passes tests. And she comes clean and she tells everyone and she feels better. She leaves the building. It was all a setup. The press conference, it's not the real press conference. They bring in the real people. The school still gets the money. End of story. And for Homer, he accidentally kills his lobster and eats it. He really loves the lobster. There, we did it. Go watch those episodes. They're everybody. amazing. A little bit of trivia. A little bit of trivia. This is less trivia, more of a note. The Simpsons movie, one of the iconic moments of that film, it was in all the trailers, it was in previews, is Spider-Pig. And... And there's that line that was in every trailer is, why are the pig tracks on the mm. ceiling? In this one, there is a scene, Marge on the floor. I'm tired of cleaning these claw prints off yeah. the floor. I just noticed that and thought, did they just recycle their own gag? <laughs> Another thing that I saw, there was Gil's line about ColecoVisions. <laughs> Buy this ColecoVision. These things rust up. You got to get the weatherproofing. Oh, stop it, Gil. I thought, that's an odd line. I Googled this and I found photos. That's true. Wow. ColecoVisions rusted up like what? They were not good machines to have. If you go Google image search ColecoVision rust, you are going to find so many gross rusted ColecoVision wow. photos. I was not seeing that coming. <laughs> Two more things. In the French dub, Pinchy was redubbed to Homer because for somehow that's lobster or something, and that is not a good accent. So for the episode, it was Homer and Homer the lobster. So trivia. Finally, this uh, this episode was credited to Ian Maxtone Graham. Did you see any trivia about this man, Ian Maxtone Graham? Know. Because it ties to another classic episode. Ian Maxtone Graham is six foot eight. And he is the oh. inspiration for Very Tall Man from 22 Short Tales about Amazing. Very Tall, Very Tall Man is Ian Hextone Graham represented. In That's tremendous. However, while he is credited, while he is credited to write the writer of this episode, he says the Lobster B plot was pitched and conceived by Richard Appel, who also ran on to write for Futurama. For Very years. nice. So there's just an aside. Cool. So there is your trivia wrap-up for The Simpsons. What do you got? Anything else on the, the Simpsons? It was more just it? kind of a couple of curiosities, notes that I wrote down. So in case you're wondering, anybody, I don't know who would be. So Miss Hoover, when she gives out the test, um, uh, Ralph has a what he thinks is a B, but is actually an F because there was, I believe, Kahlua on there um and then yes. and then lisa had an a plus 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 four pluses uh but one of them was dram yes. so um clearly and uh miss hoover makes a a point that she was doing it over lunch uh those are you can make uh it's kalua bailey's and dram makes it you can make it up in an irish coffee so she, clearly she had an irish coffee with lunch fun little uh fact from my from my from my old bartending days so there you go but well how about that before we wrap up the final, the whole thing, I, I'm gonna, I wanted to do a little viewer feedback, and this ties nicely into The Simpsons. We have talked about, I say viewer, listener mm -hmm. feedback, listener feedback. There's no viewers. 
unless you're creating your own fan films about us. In please fact, send, send please create in, your yeah. fan films to us. Send them to us, yes. Use only the photos that are on the cover art of the podcast to create fan films. So we got an email. Let me bring it up here. We got an email from Casey, uh, who finished our second episode. They said, I just finished the newest episode of the podcast and have really enjoyed it so far. Looking forward to continuing to listen. Thank you. Regarding The Simpsons, I found this on Reddit, Reddit Cool Guides a while back, and thought of it after listening to your guys' discussion. I'm sorry, it does have an overall negative spin, they say. You may have already seen it. I wanted to pass it along. Anyways, you and Randy, keep up the great work. And because I can't pass up the chance to say this, and this is just to me, Randy, this part's mm -hmm. not to you. I want you to know that. This part is just to me, just to me. I love your sketches on TikTok. You're really talented. Thank you for all the laughs. I want you to know Casey was telling me I'm really talented. You're doing great work, but I'm very talented. Giant, you, giant postscript parenthetical. Get Randy off the podcast. Yeah, you can read all the rest of it too if you want. So. Thank you. Uh, which, by the way, same as you can reach out to me at Mike Barcode, M-I-K-E-B-A-R-C-O-D-E at gmail.com. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram, Mike Barcode. Randy, die in a hole. It's been a pleasure. Oh, anyway, back to this email. The grid that they sent is actually very fascinating. Through season 31, through every episode, it's a color grid of how the episodes have been rated on IMDb. Hmm. So people who have voted on IMDb, you get green, great, yellow, good, orange, regular, red, bad, blue, garbage. Okay. There are only two through that are listed as garbage, but you start seeing regular orange showing up in season 11 quite prevalently. There's only a couple through 10. You stop seeing green, great after season nine. We had talked last week about season 12 being bad. The overall with Simpsons Tall Tales being a really bad episode. That episode is rated good by IMDb viewers. Wow. So fools. There I mean, you go. Uh... We're the assholes. I'm going to send you this grid and I'm going to save a copy. I would love to reference this grid moving forward as we talk about episodes Perfect. and see where our opinions rate versus where IMDb has fallen and viewer scores. Nice. That would be really fascinating to me. The only other thing I wanted to do is read a, another little bit of listener feedback. We got our very first five-star review. We have gotten three five-star ratings. Make sure to rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Five stars if you're liking it. Really helps our metrics. The more, you know, metrics, big technical term. I know it's boring, sounds corporate. <laughs> but you give us good ratings, and it can get to more people. They'll spread the word. The better you rate us, the better we get out to people. I am a shill. But we got a really nice review from Liquid Chaos 66 last week. Lots of Liquid Chaos. These two mesh so well together, and the banter and conversation is exactly what you need in your life. Love the pop culture heavy content. Keep this up, and you'll top the charts in no time. Wow. So all this banter back and forth. They're, they're a fan of us. We found our fan. <laughs> Remember, Casey, who sent the email... We're okay together, liking the good work. <laughs> fan of me. Fan of me. I'm amazing. Clearly. However, Liquid Chaos, Liquid Chaos loves us both, which I love. That's great. There we go. So that's all I have. Thank you for listening in again. Randy, anything you want to wrap up with on any topic? Anything you want to say to anyone? Anything at all? Not at all. I will echo my thanks. It's been, it, this is a lot of fun for me and Mike, and we're glad that uh, other people are getting enjoyment out of it as well. Once again, thank you, everybody. This is a pleasure, and we will see you all next week.